Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When we were at my apartment, we didn't really like end on a super great note, you know, I'd be left. I feel really dumb over it, <laughs> for one. Um, I, I personally feel stupid about it. I, I feel bad for, for making you feel that way and, like you said, disrespected and, and all that. It wasn't mm-hmm. anything I intended. It sucks that it happened and I have nobody to blame for it. Definitely nothing you did. <laughs> well, I know that. I never intended on purposely upsetting you or hurting you. Or... I appreciate that. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry, Married at First Sight Edition. Wow. We're at the final countdown, the final few episodes of this season. That has both felt like a lifetime and a moment <laughs> at the same time. Um, I can't believe next week is Decision Day. I feel like in past seasons, they've hyped up like, ooh, Decision Day is coming up a lot more. But this felt like it kind of came on pretty quickly. Maybe that was just me. I don't know. So you guys who have been along this journey with me know that I have throughout the seasons pointed out moments that I don't care for, that I don't think are necessary, like the housewarming party, the post-wedding brunch with the friends and family, because I don't feel like they're productive. I feel like we don't really get a whole lot of it. I feel like most of the time these things don't come up later in the season. So they just feel like a lot of filler to me. This 
time where in this episode we see the couples or the individuals meeting up and talking to their friends and family. This is what I like. This is what I find is productive. This is what I just love to see. It's like 90 Day Fiance for those of you who watch it. There's inevitably with some couple, there's a voice of reason. There's a friend, there's a family member who sees what's going on and they don't like it because they know that this is some bullshit and they're poking holes in the situation. And this is the episodes that we get this on this with whatever, but, (laughs) and I like them because we're getting somewhere. We're getting insight. We're getting, cause I feel like married at first sight kind of makes a mistake sometimes in believing or having the audience believe that this is like an insular thing where the couples are only communicating with each other, that there's really no outside world. There's no outside counsel, but that's not really true. I wish they would utilize the friends more. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. I would like more consistent use of the friends and family if we're going to get this insight from them. With that being said, let's talk about what happened this week. So we're going to start off with Brett and Ryan. Ryan meets up with his friend Michael. They're playing tennis. And Michael makes a comment. He was asking Ryan like, oh, hey, bro, did you have to get permission to come here from your wife? (laughs) Ryan's like, "Uh, not at this point. No. No, don't have to ask her a thing. Probably blocked. Don't even know if she's texting me back at this point. But that's neither here nor there. In a confessional, Ryan's talking about how it's safe to say at this point that he and Brett are uh, not in a great place right now. And he's feeling apologetic and that he also just like doesn't want to start over. He doesn't want to start over in a relationship, which feels a little bit like a lie because you were very quick to hop on the dating app and start that over. You were quick to download. That seemed like a pretty easy step for you. Um, I don't know. You seem pretty ready. You seemed uh, already ready and prepared to go with that before you even sat down in front of the experts for decision day. So seems like you are ready to start. Like you've been ready to start all over for like a few weeks now. Seven of the eight weeks now. So I don't know what you're talking about, but I never know what you're talking about, Ryan. So anyway, um, Michael starts talking to Ryan about the marriage and obviously Ryan is continuing to not tell the truth and like, you know, I'm so sad and there have been positives and some negatives and we've had some fun. When? (laughs) When you got to go hunting and shooting and, and, um, going fishing down by the creek, that's about as fun as we've seen you had, but whatever. Um, so Michael asked Ryan if maybe Ryan is like, are you trying, even though Brett might not be your usual type, because you've been around the block a few times and like, maybe you should just start trying something new. Right. (laughs) So Ryan says, But, you know, in all of my past relationships, I can pinpoint exactly the issues in everything. Like, there's always been a moment where something's happened. And he can pinpoint that in every past relationship. And Michael says, well, did you cause those issues? Just kidding. (laughs) No, you weren't. (laughs) And even Ryan's like, well, honestly, I probably was the reason why in many of those situations. Because I'm not the best communicator. And in a confessional, Michael says... Ryan does have problems expressing his emotions and he needs somebody who's going to bring that out of him, like who's going to make him talk and who's also going to call him out on his bullshit. 
And then he says, I have a feeling that Ryan's leaning in one direction, and I hope he thinks things through before he makes a rash decision and decides to end this marriage. Y'all see what I mean? Thank you. Thank you. Um, So they sit down after playing tennis, and Ryan tells Michael about how Brett found out about him re-downloading a dating app and how it's a huge letdown. (laughs) Because he did this for a reason. Like, he got into this experiment for a reason. Who are you let down by, sir? Are you let down that she found out, or are you let down that you did it? Intentionally. Like, you texted her later, and you weren't even like, I shouldn't have done it. You basically said, I should have waited to do it until after decision day. (laughs) So what are you let down about? He's wild. I mean, the audacity, the audacity of man. Um, so whatever. I mean, Michael, I don't know. Michael asks if there's anything that Ryan could do to make this work. Cause he knows Michael's trying to tell you something, Ryan. He knows like, he, this is truly a best case scenario for you, my guy. Like you don't want to be out there in these streets because we've seen you out here in these streets and nobody wants you. So maybe you should try to work this out, Ryan. I really think you should. Ryan says he's not sure if there's anything that he can do. It's hard to say. And then he kind of asked Michael if it would just be better for him to completely start over or maybe should he try to fight through this even though things seem bleak. Uh, I don't... my. Ryan, the choice is clear. <laughs> He's a real piece of work. I'm very annoyed by him. Anyway, that ends. Then we see Brett. The first time we see Brett, she's packing up. She's at the couple's shared apartment. And she says that basically she and Ryan have not spoken since he limped out of her apartment the other day. And that she spent a couple days at her place. And when she came back to their apartment... He had moved out, coffee pot and all. So Brett says she's still trying to process the situation. And as she's packing, she gets a call from her sister, Jen. So in a confessional, Brett says that the thing that she's really offended by is the fact that Ryan can't take responsibility for himself. My girl. My girl. She tells Jen that she felt like Ryan didn't seem surprised that she knew about him being on a dating app. And Jen says, well, yeah, or maybe he didn't care. (laughs) Just a one-two punch of of righteousness. Absolutely correct. 50%? 50% makes 100. But you, y'all got it. <laughs> he, he does not care. He does not care. Um, so then Brett says, look, she was 100% invested. She was totally committed to this process. That she would have given her all no matter who she was matched with. <clears throat> Excuse me. And she she doesn't think that Ryan thought about that. She doesn't think that Ryan could give 100%. She doesn't think that he thought about how hard it would have been. And that when he did figure out how hard it was going to be, that he wasn't interested in really putting in the work into it because it wasn't the ready-made situation that he thought he was getting. 100% correct. He, as soon as he thought, like, there might be something that I have to stick a stick a little baby toe of effort into, I don't want to do it because it wasn't the uh, hot slutty blonde Trump supporting hunting, fishing, shooting guns, God and glory kind of girl that I had been masturbating about this whole time. Sorry. I mean, but let's be real. 
So Brett's like, yeah, I mean, I just feel like he wasn't trying to do this. It was basically just like, throw my hands up because this wasn't what I ordered. And Jen, my girl, says, um, yeah, well, you didn't get what you ordered either. And Brett's like, thank you. Thank you. Like, let's separate ourselves from this narrative that Brett is the one who's not enough. My guy, Ryan, <clears throat> I'm hoping that Dr. Viviana brings the same energy that she brought from last season with Chris to tell this bag of eye skin that he is not the prize that he thinks he is, that you might be disappointed, but the one who really should be disappointed is Brett. Okay. She's the prize, not you. Ryan can barely form sentences together. He has, in this entire season, garnered up about three quarters of an emotion. And I couldn't even tell you what emotion that is. So why he is so disappointed is just beyond me. It, it's truly baffling. Like, I know why. I know why Ryan acts why he does. We all we all know why. We don't even have to say it. Don't have to get into it. Same way we all know why Eric acted the way he did. Okay? Y'all picking up what I'm putting down? I get it. But it's also just like, oh my god. As a normal thinking person, I just... Like, even your, your sister doesn't even fuck with you, dog. Like, come on. <laughs> What's not clicking here? What's not clicking? Anyway, um, let's move on to Michaela and Zach. <clears throat> so... Michaela's sister, Sharifa, comes over and in a confessional, Michaela says she wants to talk to Sharifa because she is team, um, a word that I hope to never hear again and haven't heard uh, previously. She's team Zakayla. When did this? Never. I don't care. Um, and she, Sharifa wants them to survive. So... To put it lightly, Michaela's being very selective on the information that she's giving to her sister and basically says that Zach did one thing, the one thing that she didn't want, which was leave. And that she just thinks, <clears throat> excuse me, that Zach just thinks that she's just this combative person and she's always flying off the handle. Can you believe that? What? How, where would he? Why would he think that? I don't. I'm, I won't, um, you know, gosh, I, I can't even come up with a reason why he would think that. But anyway, Sharif is focused on her plate of food in the way that you're just like, you know, that the person who's talking to you is like talking some bullshit, but you don't even want to get into it. Like, I'm just focused on this pasta right now. Isn't this pasta good, girl? Bomb, bomb pasta. So she's Sharif is just like, let me just swallow my food and, and see where she's going with this. So Michaela starts talking about how Dr. Pepper asked them about Michaela's attitude and how Zach says that there are a bunch of positives, but that was just like the one negative. The fact that she's just like, I don't even know, like just like a whirling dervish all over other people's property when she gets angry. That just, just that one thing. Just a simple um, domestic violence. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, um, Michaela says she recognizes that her behavior was poor. And she wants to have a kid someday. And she knows that this is not the path that she can continue to go down. God God bless them. God bless all of us for some foresight, insight, whatever. Um, so then Michaela talks about how Dr. Pepper made them hold hands and promised to speak to each other later. And 
they finish wrapping. She mentions something about wanting to eat. And Zach's like, oh, okay. Let me take you to the Applebee's, girl. I got you. Red Lobster? Biscuits. No problem, okay? And they went to eat. And she says, you know, at first, it was like... It was the first time where they were able to sit face to face and have some sort of understanding. Uh, we wouldn't know because yet again, this is like scene number 11,005 of Michaela and Zach's that we haven't seen on camera. We're just supposed to rely on these people's narratives. And I think we both know that both of them are quite inconsistent in their retelling of stories, but okay, we're almost done with the season. I guess I can stop complaining about this, but they have their meal and then Zach was like oh um are you gonna spend the night and Sharifa's like oh what did you do and Michaela says uh, I packed a bag <laughs> I mean listen we've all been there you know we've all I, I shut my ass up and I packed that bag <laughs> knowing I shouldn't but I did it, it you know can't can't hate the player and I can't hate the game we've all been there we've all been there um so Sharifa asks what it felt like to, for them to be together without any production or experts there and I'm like yeah, the same as it always does because most of their relationship is off camera anyway but she's like it felt normal like I said because that's all you guys do anyway so Sharifa is like all right well where are you guys now Michaela's like honestly I don't know because in the span of this week we have gone from Zach wanting to end this marriage and not talk to me to hunching over some red lobster biscuits. So really, I just don't know where we stand. I don't know. Um, there are some conversations we need to have, but we're kind of up on decision day and I'm just kind of focused on that. <clears throat> so in a confessional, Sharifa says, thank you, sis. Another thank you to Jen, sister of Brett. Thank you to Sharifa, sister of Michaela for just, telling it how I've been screaming it this entire time. I don't know if Zach's leading her on. I don't know if Zach is leading himself on. I don't know if Zach knows what Zach wants. Um, I think he needs to have a sit down with himself and figure out what he wants and express that. Thank you. Val says something later. Woo. That really made me kick up my little sh heel, my little kitten heel. And I was excited. To, I'm excited to talk about that. But let's talk about Val and Johnny. Hmm. So Bao meets up with um, an actual real friend, Anne, on, I'm not sure how he, she didn't say her name. I, I don't want to mispronounce it. I'm, hmm, I'm going to call her Anne because I, I didn't hear how to pronounce it. Okay. So apologies if that's not how you pronounce it. Thank God for her and not that bitch demon Sarah. <laughs> Drop her. Uh, I'm not even going to get into it. <clears throat> this is a real friend. <clears throat> Excuse me. So Bao says that things are so up and down with Johnny and Anna's like, I just really can't believe that this is where we're at now. I was at your wedding. Y'all were on cloud nine and it just consistently been getting worse from there. So I'm confused. <laughs> and Bao says, there have been a lot of fights. And Anne says, well, you, have you been trying to deescalate those? Right. And Bao says, yeah, but I just feel like 
Johnny doesn't even like the way I try to handle conflict resolution. And it's like, yeah, he doesn't like anything about you. He doesn't like the way you look. He doesn't want to kiss you. He doesn't want to have sex with you. He doesn't really want to talk with you. He doesn't like it when you look in his eye for too long. He doesn't like if you don't look in his eye enough. He doesn't like it if you are not constantly flirting with him, but he doesn't like it when you do flirt with him. He doesn't like it when you say that you're cooking meals, but he doesn't like to see you cook. He doesn't like to see you breathe. He doesn't like to be around you. Um, he doesn't like the things that you wear usually and basically hates you. So anyway, um, yeah, I think it would be safe to say that he doesn't really like her conflict resolution skills. Anyway, I really like went into a K-hole here and I forgot where I was. <laughs> um, so Bao says that they've had a lot of fights to put it, to put it very lightly. Um, and Bao says that pretty much across the board, everybody in Johnny's life, from the experts to his friends to his family, have told him to try and stay in this marriage. Stick to your guns and keep on pushing, sister. And Anna's like, you would think, thank you, you would think that Johnny would want to try more since it's people that love him and are closest to him and know him best, they're all saying the same thing. You would think that something in his mind would click and say, gosh, maybe I need to change or at least consider it. Maybe <laughs> consider thinking what all these people are saying about me. Um, and Bao says that the one person that Johnny seems to be listening to is the one person who's giving, given him a dissenting opinion about Bao, which is that bitch, Sarah. Sarah, the person that Bao thought would be the most supportive since allegedly they've been friends, best friends, for 20 years. 20 years. Now, I just want to take this time to say that a lot of you reached out to me and I heard myself that on, um, uh, I always forget the name of the, the after show or the pre-show. Y'all know what I mean. The, the pre-show that they do and they talk about the last episode. That Johnny said he and Sarah had their own friendship or whatever. And that he, that's why he trusted her. What have you. This is not just like random friend of Bao's. That they had been friends as well. Okay. I don't really know how much. I don't know if that changes my opinion. I don't know if I care. <laughs> I don't know if that does anything for me, but I guess it's worth saying that it wasn't just like him being 97% irrational as he usually is. Maybe we can knock that down to like 94. So then Anne keeps asking just one after the other, just million dollar questions. First of all being, why would Sarah go out of her way to say such bad things about you, Bao? And Bao's like, well, I mean, Sarah has seen me in not my best in some relationships. And Anna's like, yeah, but all of us have not been our best in other relationships. And none of us are perfect. Why would Sarah dwell on the worst parts of you? And Bao says she feels like she got a double whammy of being betrayed by her husband and her best friend. And that she went from feeling bad about her relationship and her marriage to feeling bad about everything. In a confessional... Anne says that she's concerned because she's never seen Bao this negative. She's usually upbeat and she feels like there's a part of her that has gotten shut down. So Anne says, was there any good in your relationship? And Bao says, yeah. And I'm always going to remember those good times. 
we get a little montage of like those good times, but I, it's just like, it doesn't mean anything to me because I know that like those were just like little sprinkles in just the shit mountain of awful. Okay. So <laughs> I'm glad that you can remember those battles because I can't, I cannot. And I just saw them. <laughs> um, so Anne says that she wishes that Johnny and Val would figure out how to communicate better. <laughs> yeah. Putting it lightly. So Anne asks about, listen, what if Johnny sincerely comes to you and he asks to start over? Would you consider that? Would you be open to it? And Bao says, yeah. But in a confessional, she says, for the first time in this relationship, she's feeling like there needs to be a reset. <laughs> Girl. The first time you were very generous because I've been feeling like this is like a, like the old Nintendo, like the first Nintendo you're constantly pressing reset. You're taking that cartridge out. You're blowing on it. Like that's going to do anything. You're stuffing it in. You're tap tapping on it. That does absolutely nothing. This is like the, the 1984 super, super NES or whatever it was called of, of relationships reset button. Just, just keep it down. Just tape that reset button down and see if anything can be salvaged. Um, so the first time we had to see Johnny's face, we're done with, with Bao and Anne. The first time we see Johnny's face, I just was like, ugh, <laughs> you're done. You're done. Okay. You're done. So he goes out and kicks it with his friends, his groomsmen, and their names are Jarek and Kenny. So they go having drinks in a confessional. He says, you know, before he sits down with his friends, that Sarah has his mind all messed up and that he was like, he says it like, Oh, I was going to stay in this relationship. Had it not been for this conversation that just like totally threw me for a loop. Like, sir. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So Johnny brings up how decision day is coming up soon. And Jarek asks if he's looking forward to it. And Johnny's like, no, not really. <laughs> so Jarek's like, so, I guess you're not enjoying the married life so far or <laughs> so, like, tell me where it started going south. I'm like, uh, I don't know the honeymoon, which is exactly what Johnny says. And he says, you know, I saw some red flags of the honeymoon. They irked me at the time, but as the weeks went on, those red flags kept happening. So he started to distance himself. What are they? Other than like, she lied about cooking gourmet meals, but then you later admitted that you guys cooked them together. So she did, but like you were the sous chef. So technically that didn't count. He never says specifically what these red flags are. What was it? What is it? What's it? What are they? If they're so consistent, if you saw them in the beginning and then they kept happening over and over, what is it? Is my memory bad? I don't know. So then Johnny continues about how, when Bao took him back to her childhood home, she had revealed some like really deep stuff about her parents and their marriage. And it kind of made him want to protect her. And that was like the first deep conversation that they were able to have in weeks. And even though it was in his words, strange, he felt something. So in a confessional, the other friend Kenny says that he feels like he's never seen Johnny this distraught. And he just like, he just feels like this is weird for what's supposed to be a happy time in his life. And 
so then Jarek tells Johnny, like, listen, you're probably not going to get everything that you've been dreaming in your mind. So you basically need to figure out, like, parse out what are what the issues that you have with Bao that are actual deal breakers and what are the things that you could maybe let go of. Johnny starts talking about how, you know, how conflicted he is and how he's starting to become a person that he doesn't understand. And Kenny stops him and is like, well, maybe that's not necessarily a bad thing. Maybe you're actually turning into a better version of yourself. To which I say, I don't know, like, Kenny... We need to see you at the reunion and just roll that beautiful bean footage of all of Johnny's behavior. And you, you tell us if this is better or worse. <laughs> because honestly, either way, I'm concerned. And then the most telling thing happens, which is Jarek reminding Johnny that he's been single for a long time. And that there may be some things that he needs to compromise on. In a confessional, Johnny says that there are parts of Bao that aren't great, but they've been having better moments lately. And those things impact him and tell him that he needs to think a little bit more before decision day. So Kenny and Jarek pretty much tell Johnny that he needs to figure it out. Basically, like, realize that you're on a TV show. 90% of this stuff is produced. Um, It's really difficult to know somebody in a couple of months. And maybe you should think about taking this off camera and continuing after decision day. Kenny tells him not to make any rash decisions because he's unhappy at the moment, which (laughs) is something that maybe you should have told him like seven weeks ago, because that's literally all he's been doing (laughs) this entire time. But uh, you know, it's never too late. All right. Now let's move on to Rachel and Jose. So Rachel has friends with, has drinks with her friend Lyris, I think. And Rachel says, girl, everything's going great with Jose. He makes me feel loved. He makes me feel nurtured. And that Jose is a sweet soul. Moving on. Um, Lyris asks if they're planning on staying together. And Rachel's like, well, right now I'm kind of weighing my pros and cons. And there's a lot of good stuff. And Jose's pretty pin... Why can't I talk? (laughs) Something about Jose just trips me up. The Jose has been pretty consistent with his behavior. uh, But there are times like, you know, the fact that Jose doesn't listen to her, you know, and the fact that we had the great lockout of 2021 and Lyris kind of triggered something for me, which is that Rachel hasn't really mentioned how terribly Jose spoke to her in that moment with the like, get the fuck out. This is not a fucking boyfriend, girlfriend situation. This is like really, really cursing at her. I don't, I've never been in a situation where a guy's like cussed at me like that. And to me, that's a lot to me. That's like doing way too much. You know, um, I don't like that. I really don't like that. And I feel like Rachel has not, I think she mentioned it in the moment, like right after they had, like when they had their first conversation after he kicked her the fuck out, but not since then. And that would be something that was really hurtful and to me, the way he spoke to her. And I'm glad, like shout out to Lyris for bringing that up because I hadn't thought about that in a while. So Rachel says that after he locked her out, it could have took a while for Jose to apologize. And that's kind of what she's worried about. Like the next future dust up. How is Jose going to act in that moment? 
So Lyris tries to light a fire under Rachel's ass and say, like, hey, what you do today sets a precedent for tomorrow. So don't give that man any wiggle room. Keep him on a short leash today, okay? (laughs) Rachel mentions that, like, arts and crafts project apology that Jose did with the note cards and some rose art markers and, um, you know, how he promised never to use the deadbolt again and... I'm going to call you seven times a day or whatever. And in a confessional, Lyra says, if you want to be a good person, you're going to be a good person. Like you shouldn't have to make note cards to promise your wife that you're never going to kick her out again. You know, (laughs) the note cards are trash. Thank you, girl. So Rachel says that she thinks that sometimes she might be a little bit naive and thinking that those sorts of things won't happen again. I mean, I don't think you're being that naive. You've been bringing it up pretty consistently. Maybe the naivete is not talking to Jose about it. I don't know. But you seem to know. You seem to be very aware. Anyway. um, In a confessional, Rachel says that the choice to stay married or get a divorce is life altering. And she's not made the best decisions in the past with her exes. So she's hoping that that doesn't happen again. And then we see Jose meet up with his friend, Emmanuel. The first thing I notice that Jose is doing the most aggressive man spread I've ever seen. And I see this happen. Like I live in a city where men used to man spread on the train so much that they had to take out ads on the subway to tell men to stop man spreading. Did you guys know this has happened like a few years ago? <laughs> there was a full campaign and the new york subway system about stopping the man spreading so people had more space to sit down because it was that much of a problem and jose is even more aggressive than the most aggressive i've ever seen so that's really sad like he's practically in a split Uh, anyway um it's safe to say that Jose is feeling like a little bit more optimistic than Rachel is. And he says that he and our Rachel are a great team and they work really well in tandem with each other. And they do have little hiccups, but they resolve them very quickly as quickly as it takes to unlock a deadbolt. So Emmanuel asks, Hey, what are three reasons why you wouldn't stay? And Jose says that he's concerned about Rachel being faithful. He is concerned about their communication and he was like shocked at how quickly Rachel wanted to leave after the great lockout of 2021. And he mentions how he like, he wants somebody who's in it for the long haul. And then he tells Emmanuel about how Rachel spent the night with her ex the night that he locked her ass out. So Emmanuel says he's like a little bit concerned that Rachel would go back to her past in a moment like that. And I agree Y'all heard us, me and my sister, <laughs> talking about that. Um, yeah, I think it's it's very interesting that, like, why, yeah, like, why didn't she go home? Why didn't she have production pay for a hotel for her? Like, why did she think that her only option was to go to her ex-boyfriend's house and spend the night? But whatever. She said that, Rachel, Jose tells us that Rachel assured him that nothing happened, nothing untoward happened, and that he trusted what she said. Okay. So then Rachel and Jose meet up for drinks after that. And 
they're talking about like what they talked about with their friends. And Jose says that the biggest thing that he's learned through this entire experiment has been the fact that he needs to work on his communication and listening. Rachel says her only fear is having a huge argument that would lead to the end because of communication breakout breakdown that would lead to them not agreeing on something. Does that make sense? (laughs) She says that like, She's just afraid. She's afraid of history repeating itself. Let's just put it very plainly. Um, So Jose takes a weird left turn, I thought. And he starts talking about how before he got married, he was basically like a loner. He would go, go to work, come home. Maybe he would go to work out. But he just had his triangle of work, home, planet fitness. And that he lives out in the suburbs. It's not like he was really out partying like that. And... Then he starts to blame social media for this, like, I mean, it's like he would make sense, but his examples are so, like, low stakes that, whatever. He basically is like, you know, I blame social media for, uh, (laughs) Grandpa Jose comes, like, I blame social media and, like, I disagree because, like, you know, the Instagram and, and YOLO, like, people just go on, go on the, the, the Twitter and they're, and they're looking and they're in their dresses and their, and their bikinis and they want to travel and, and live a YOLO lifestyle. Like, okay, thanks, Uncle Grandpa. So Rachel says, I'm going to have to disagree because, like, the Instagram and the chal- the travel and the YOLO stuff is the things that I want to do with my husband. Like it's not about stopping everything that you did when you were a single person. It's about continuing to do the fun things you did when you were single, but now you're doing them with your forever partner. And then she starts talking about like what she wants. Cause their whole conversation, their continuous conversation this season has been about her love of travel. So she says, I just want to go on a big trip like every other year. And by a big trip, I mean like a nine, ten hour flight across the world. I want to go to Switzerland. I want to go to Thailand. I understand the money is an issue, but I think we can do it. And Jose starts talking about how he grew up with not a lot of money. And his idea of travel was his family going to San Antonio and Fredericksburg. And he's like, oh, yeah, I want to take you to those places. And we talked about going to Las Vegas and... Rachel's like, yeah, um, I don't really consider those trips. Like, I wouldn't put that in the category of our big trip of the year, going to San Antonio. (laughs) How old are you, sir? (laughs) Y'all could go to San Antonio anytime. And, like, shout out to America, shout out to regional travel, but she wants to go to Thailand, sir. Y'all could go to Fredericksburg, wherever that is. Anytime for like 50 bucks, probably. <laughs> like, like, that's not, and it's not even the money. It's just like she wants to have experiences, and I don't understand why he is so against learn. I mean, I do know why he doesn't even want to listen to her. Why would he want to take in anybody else's culture? It makes perfect sense, but like, it's also just like, don't you sound, do you see how boring you sound? Do you just want to relegate yourself to a life of. Texas or maybe you guys can shoot off to to Vegas for a couple days like ugh, (laughs) I don't want that like I wouldn't even even if you were like how do I say this it like I wouldn't even want you 
to want that. Like, why does he not want more for himself? You know, even if you guys never make that trip, I wouldn't want somebody who just doesn't want that. You know what I mean? Like if I'm with somebody and we could never, for whatever reason, if we could never afford to go to Europe, I wouldn't want it to be, if we never went to Europe, I wouldn't want it to be because we, because he just doesn't want to do that. And he doesn't see the value in that. Like there's so much value in travel and getting to see different things and different like cultures. And if you can do that, why would you not? It it doesn't make sense. And I wouldn't even want to be with somebody who didn't want those things because that's like, it's all, it could, you could almost make it a values thing. Like why would, why do you not want to? Like, what is he so against? Is it just financial? Because you, you're fine. Like, I, I don't, I don't get it. But I don't want to think about Jose really this much, to be honest with you. <laughs> I've already hit my limit. So, um, anyway, um, Rachel says in a confessional that this is kind of what she was concerned about. Like the fact that Jose has no interest in going to Europe at all. He has no interest in listening to what she wants and how it's crushing a little bit of her inside. She literally said it's crushing her. <laughs> He's killing a dream inside of me. <laughs> that's not good. Yeah, that's not good. If that's how you feel, that's really bad, Rachel. Th- those are big problems. Like, you are worried about him being an explosively verbally abusive dickhead in the future. And you're concerned about the fact that he is crushing your soul. Please say no on decision day. <laughs> Please say no. Oh my God. I'm going to scream from the rooftop. Just God bless. If you guys hear, if you guys get an alert about a, a frantic woman on top of the Empire State Building when decision day airs, it was me. Just say it was me. You're not going to get a podcast this week, but I did what I had to do. Okay. I'll probably be in jail, but that's fine. That's fine. Please put money on my books. (laughs) Just in case contact, you guys can contact my sister and she'll give you guys the GoFundMe information. Anyway, um, what happens after that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Part of me is like, get out. Well, all of me is like, get out to Rachel, but I think she's, her priorities are a little bit out of whack to me, you know, like I'm totally on her side, but I just feel like the travel is not the biggest issue in her relationship. Not, not the biggest one. Anyway, um, let's move on to Mirla and Gil. So Mirla meets up with her friend Kiana. Did you guys think that Kiana looks like, oh my God, what is it? Cause I don't want to... Uh, Grey's Anatomy, but she looked just like one of the late Chandra Wilson, I think is her name. Her Kiana looked just like her to me. M- maybe I'm getting this wrong, but anyway, um, Mirla starts off by talking about how like she kind of feels like she's the problem in the relationship that she's the one who gets moody and she benefits from Gil, who is more patient than her. So Kiana asks Mirla how she's feeling about decision day. And she says that really the only thing that's been a stumbling block has been finances. Thank you. And now we said it. So Mirla has been honestly, in my opinion, taking it on the chin this entire time. She listens to him. She receives it as she puts it. She takes these things in. But this is the first time we've seen her actually 
have an opinion about how Gil is approaching this whole situation. And I was grateful to see it because I feel like she should, she deserves to feel this way. And I really appreciated it. So she says she came into this relationship with money savings. And while Gil was upfront about his finances, he didn't even have a savings account. (laughs) And on top of that, he's only in the beginnings of his career as a firefighter. And she kind of wanted somebody who was a little bit more established and further along. So they could get right into traveling and having kids and etc. But Gil, like where they're at now, is just kind of like a pause, a reset, if you will. And she feels like, sorry, that like now she's almost going back to being 25 at the beginning of their careers and just kind of starting to starting their careers from scratch. And it kind of sucks. Like as much as Gil has been talking about how here's what pissing me off. Okay. And I've been saying it, you guys hear it, but like, I just want to talk about it again. Mirla is only getting this reputation of a spoiled. I don't remember where I came from. All I'm looking for is the next balling out of control, amenity filled high rise to mid mid rise to high rise apartment, red bottom shoe lifestyle. Um, the only reason why she's getting this reputation is because Gil is putting it on her. Let me walk you all through this. Okay. Anytime that we have talked about what is real, what is Marilyn been saying about her finances and the way she lives her lifestyle is that she doesn't want to change. Is that inflexible? Yes. (laughs) Should it be the deal breaker that ends their relationship? No. For the simple fact that she is financially sound. She, like she just said, came into this relationship financially prepared to live a nice lifestyle with the person that she was matched with. And she did not get that. Um, And I think she's been incredibly patient while this man has not only not been prepared, but has been judgmental of the way she is living her financially sound and fiscally responsible lifestyle. She has consistently let him say this stuff. She's consistently let him call her spoiled. She's consistently let him say, I think very unkind things about how she's forgotten where she's come from. Um, I think she has been saying all of this narrative of her being bad is Gil's making and Gil's narrative that he's been putting on her. I think, honestly, once we found out that, um, like, like, let's think about this. Why is it okay that Rachel has been saying, I'm really not that fiscally responsible. I have taken trips and done things when maybe I should have allocated money elsewhere. Why is it okay that we're all rooting for her to get the lifestyle that she wants to live, but it's not okay that Mirla wants those same things and she actually is capable of doing those things for herself? Why is it okay for Rachel And why do people root for her, myself included, and not Mirla? Rachel's not being any less flexible, really, (laughs) in the lifestyle that she's been consistently saying, this is what I want, this is what I need, and it's going to be a deal breaker if I don't get it. But it's not okay for Mirla to want the same thing when by all 
intents and purposes, she is way more prepared than the person that she got matched with. Why is it not okay for Mirla to want to have her lifestyle, the lifestyle that she built and scrapped and saved and came out of poverty from? And if she wants to continue to live the lifestyle which she's made herself and that she's accustomed to, why is it such a big problem? It's a problem for Gil. And he told on himself this whole time. And these are things that I don't think that I've really been saying, but he told on himself a lot. And I'm glad that he did because... It confirmed my suspicions about his insecurities. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com So anyway, now that I'm out of this spiral, Mirla goes on to tell her friend that, you know, it's great that Gil's so humble. That's not the problem. But she almost kind of hints at the fact that, like, maybe he's not motivated to the level to which she is. And that she really needs to think about if this is something that she can live with forever because it's going to be a problem if she doesn't get to live the lifestyle that she wants to live or more importantly, the lifestyle that she can live. So after that, Mirla and Gil go roller skating and it starts off really cute. They're like holding hands and having a moment and it's romantic, but then they sit down and Gil just like lets it all out. So Mirla makes a joke about how, you know, they're talking about decision day. Mirla makes a joke about how, oh, you know, it should be easy for you to want to be with such a fabulous woman like me. <laughs> and he's like, well, not really. Because beauty fades and like, I don't have any problem letting go, and go of that. Um, but like, you know, finances are a big deal for me. And, you know, at times your negativity is as well. And I just feel like there are times where Mirla, you look down on people who aren't where you are. And do you think that you're made out of gold? Excuse me? What has she done that has made him feel so strongly that he would ask her if she feels like she's made out of gold? First of all, that like doesn't even make sense as a read. But also like, what? How dare you? How absolutely dare you? So Marilla says, I hear you, but I disagree. And Gil says, well, the word that comes after, like, you're spoiled, and the, but the word that comes after spoiled is brat. And sometimes that's how you act. And that doesn't work for me because I didn't grow up with a lot. So it's okay that this man can call her a spoiled brat and tell her that she acts like she's made out of gold and that she looks down on people and that she's forgotten what she's came, where she came from. And all that's okay because she doesn't want to change the lifestyle 
that she has made for herself to help stroke his ego. Like, does this make sense to you guys? Like, this is weird. It's weird to me. In a confessional, Gil says that he understands that Mirla has made a comfortable living for herself and that she's happy where she's at. But then he starts to accuse her of, like, wanting to live in a mid to high rise apartment building. And Mirla's like, well, I don't have to do that, but I want to. And I can. So Gil says, well, I don't care about that. I don't care about living in a mid or high rise apartment. And in a confessional, he basically says that like, he doesn't really care about that stuff, but like, why is it such a big deal? Okay. You don't care. She doesn't care that you don't care. She likes the stuff. So what's like, are you really going to have this conversation for the rest of your lives? Because you don't care about the same things that she does because she likes nice things. And that's not really an issue for you. Like, it's not like she, (laughs) I just don't get it. (laughs) Like, I I don't know what it is that, like, I'm not understanding of, like, why this is such a big deal for him. I don't get it. I don't, because she's not, she's not doing anything wrong except for, like, wanting to live a nice lifestyle. She's not forcing him into anything but a nice apartment. And, like, is he literally going to sit there and, like, blow this whole marriage up because he lives in a nicer apartment than he would normally. <laughs> oh, oh God, the the horror. And like, really, why don't they sit down and have like a real brass tax conversation? Like, let's literally get down to the finances. And Gil, you tell me what lifestyle financially you are comfortable living. What is something that, how much rent, how much do you want to put down on rent realistically? Because more than likely you're going to be probably saving by living together than, you know, than, than living on your own. Right. So I just think that there, there is a big deal and they are making, Gil is making a big deal out of this, but I also feel like they're, they could just very easily have a conversation where they're really getting down to the numbers and that that is going to fix a lot of things. I think it's going to quell a lot of his fears. I think it's going to answer a lot of questions. I feel like just at this point, they're talking around the issue and they need to just get to it, like really get specific. And I think it's going to not be that big a deal when they come out of it, honestly. To me, it just felt like this whole conversation, he was like, he had this struggle within himself that like, he doesn't want people to think that he's not keeping it real. And he feels like the way she's going about living her life is like, she's forgotten about her past. She's not keeping it real. And he just doesn't want to get accused of that by being associated with her and by being married with her. And I really think that that's all it is. And that's like, not her problem. That's you. That's something that you got to work through. Like... It's entirely possible that people can live a better, different life than they did. And also keep it real and remember where they came from. Those two don't have to be mutually exclusive at all. And I think it's kind of rude that he keeps acting like she is incapable of that. I I don't know. Like, I don't know. So Marilyn tells Gil that part of her motivation does come from 
um, her past and where she came from and that she has a career which she shares her story with people all the time. So it's not really like she's forgotten that part of herself. And in a confessional, she says she's worked really hard to come from her humble beginnings and that she, the, the ones that she started out in and that maybe at times it could be annoying to Gil, but she didn't really think that it was like that this big of a deal to him. And she needs to think about the fact that this is such a deal breaker and so then Gil says he needs to think about it because he wants somebody who can enjoy the little moments in life and who doesn't just find joy from gifts and expensive trips. Anyway, we have a scene after this with Gil and Zach where they're just like kicking it. They're talking about the retreat, Michaela popping off. Zach says he's never been in a situation like that. And in that moment, he had enough. So Gil asks Zach if Michaela ever apologized. And Zach says, you know, I don't think she did. But what she did do is we had a conversation after we met up with Dr. Pepper. I asked her what she what I could have done differently to improve the situation. And Michaela was like, honestly, probably not much. (laughs) Like, she basically just owned up to it being on her. And that's what he needed. Gil's like, that's pretty big. Zach's like, yeah, it is. Um, he says like he was just trying to he was going crazy trying to figure out like what it is that he could have possibly done to get them there because in 27 years that he's been alive those reactions have never happened which I just feel like why does he rely on that so much like why does he rely on like the algorithm of his life like I've done x behavior and y result has never happened so why i mean i it's fine to have some introspection on that but he's just so focused on like it's not even like it's less of like how did i contribute to the situation than like nobody's ever acted like this so i don't know i don't know how to describe it i don't know maybe i'm wrong (laughs) i'm not gonna admit to being wrong about zach but maybe i am maybe there are rumors um so then he says that Michaela's basically, or like her actions have approved, proved that she's in this for the right reasons and that she's an amazing woman, woman. But then Gail's like, okay, but is this like a recent development? And Zach says, listen, I think it took a process like this and a man like me, let me just pat myself on the back here to uh, make Michaela realize what she's doing because all of her other exes didn't hold her accountable. Okay, well, it claps for you. <laughs> Good for you, Zach. It took a man like you to make Michaela realize what she like. Okay, because all those other bitches in her past couldn't do it. But I'm a real man. I'm a real boy, and I made her realize. <laughs> okay, okay, I've manipulated her into realizing what's wrong with her. Hooray for me! <laughs> anyway, so what happens after that? Okay, so Zach says that they're now on speaking terms. And I just feel like you really left out the fact that, like, you invited her over for lunch and then fucked her after meeting Dr. Pepper. But, like, I guess that doesn't really matter, does it? Like, oh, yeah, we're now on speaking terms. Sir, you were on sex terms. That That is a very different little thing, sir. But, see, like, this is what Zach does that irks me. Like, it, it really does. Like, what Zach seems to want out of this marriage is the ability to have access to having sex with Michaela And that's it. Like, the chaos only seems to bother him 
in the context of like it makes him not want to have sex with her and therefore he doesn't want anything to do with her it's like oh she did something i'm not as sexually attracted to her so therefore now i'm gonna leave I'm going to go back to my apartment. I'm going to drive back in the middle of the night. And I'm not saying that like she doesn't do anything to spur this action. I'm saying that he's not thinking about this relationship correctly either, honestly. And when he does find himself in a situation where he's attracted to her or he can have sex with her, then she's the greatest person in the world. There's like no in between. She's either like the best woman I've never met a woman as great as Michaela or keep me far away from her. I want to divorce her. I want nothing to do with you. I don't want to be on a property with you. It is like really all or nothing. And the only thing that I can really see as like the through line and the connective tissue is when he wants to have sex with her or not. Like, anyway. (laughs) After that, everybody gets together. The whole cast, they're playing in their apartment uh, pool room or billiards room or whatever. And in a confessional, Brett says that this is the first time she's seen Ryan since the whole dating app situation. But she's just trying to make the best out of it. Like, she likes this group of people, so she's not going to let that uh, sack of eye skin bring her down. God bless. Gil decides to put his um, expert uh, bald cap on and he asks everybody how they're feeling right now. Jose says that effort and communication would be the reason why he and Rachel wouldn't stay married. But even if the the relationship doesn't continue, it's been a great journey and they learned a lot about each other. So it's been good. And then Rachel goes and she says, not to put anybody else on the spot, but like, what are everybody else's reasons for saying no? Gil says, Well, mine would be if wifey continues to live like she's single. Um, Even before she got married, she said that there were certain things that she wouldn't change no matter what. And I feel like that's selfish going into a marriage without knowing who you're going to marry. So I would say no if she's not willing to change for the right reasons. Now, they're like half a point in what he said, okay? It, It is fair to say that, yes, you heard we had a conversation in which she said that even going into this, that she wasn't planning on changing her lifestyle. And you think that that is inflexible, fair on paper. That is fair. In reality, what we've seen, I think it's a little bit more gray than the situation. But anyway, um, Johnny is like, like everybody hears this and they're like, huh? Like, I think even the group thinks that Gil's kind of, like, full of shit on this. Because Johnny's like, well, I feel like Mirla should be able to have a rebuttal here. And everybody else was like, yeah, I kind of think she should, too. But honestly, Mirla's not really want to, uh, she's not really trying to talk about it. And she's like, I honestly, I, like, I think if my husband makes me stop shopping altogether, it's going to be a problem. Moving on, Brett. Do you have anything to say? <laughs> so... So Brett says that a general reason to say yes on decision day, she's keeping it very diplomatic, I thought, (laughs) because she knows that she is out. And so she's like, well, I can't just say to everybody that, like, I don't like this weirdo that I got uh, connected to. So generally speaking, on decision day, a reason to say yes would be mutual respect, feelings, and chemistry. 
And a reason to say no would be not having any of those things. So that's where I'm going into decision day with. That, that's how I'm feeling. Like, you know, those things that I'm not getting that I haven't gotten that you all know that I haven't gotten. The mutual respect and, and the chemistry would be a reason to say yes. And, and not having any of those like I don't have would be a reason to say no. So that's what I'm going into decision day thinking. Thank you. Ryan mumbles something about how he went into this trusting his feelings and, and waiting for feelings. And he's just going to continue doing that. Cause whatever, you only have like 48 hours, 56 hours left at this point. Then he says that he's been honest with himself about everything and that he's going to keep doing that. Okay. Well, you haven't been honest with anybody else. So that doesn't really hold water. Anyway, um, Gil says that, People just need to be mindful of the fact that there are two people in a relationship, in their relationship, and that everybody should be mindful of the fact that the best thing they can do is be honest with their partner about what they want. Johnny, you have the floor. (laughs) So Johnny's face gets beat red and he says that the way he would say yes on decision day is if he saw some potential and that maybe like they would be surprised after decision day if they keep hanging out. So Bao says, you know, it takes two people to sustain a marriage, but it only takes one person to end a marriage. And I came into this 100% and I was looking for my forever. And when I committed to this, it took a lot because I'm not really somebody who takes risks or put myself out there. And I just feel like Johnny challenged me to be a better person. And even though decision day might feel arbitrary, She feels like if one person said no, it would mean to her that they wanted to be out of that relationship and she doesn't think that she would be able to get over that. Now, counter, Zach starts to speak up and he says, like, he doesn't view Decision Day in the same way that she does. And that for him to say yes on Decision Day would mean he's saying that for the past eight weeks, He's been happy and that he wants to continue that. But if he says no, it means that it just didn't work for him. But then he says that just because you say yes on decision day, it doesn't mean that it's going to work out. And if you say no, it doesn't mean that it's not going to work. And I was like, okay, Zach, can I ask you a question? Like, so you say that if you say no on decision day, but your intent is continue to continue to see where it goes then why can't you just say yes? (laughs) And then you can decide concretely if it's no after you've given it a chance. Zach says, well, but for me to say yes on decision day, it would just mean that I've been happy for the last week. And Bao says, yeah, but you guys are making a decision on decision day and I just don't think I would come back, I could come back from somebody saying no to me. And she's like... I've thought about the idea of me saying yes on decision day and Johnny saying no. And in that moment, I knew it would be a final decision and I would just be checked out. So then Zach asked Bao, okay, well, if Johnny says no on decision day because he was mentally checked out and he wanted to get back to himself, but he does end up wanting to work on it. Brett and Bao stop him and say, well, then you say yes on decision day. That, that's why. <laughs> like Zach's weird. Let's just say it. Like Zach is weird. Like, He's playing on just a completely different game board. He's operating on a totally different system. He's working with totally different rules. But you were on a show and you signed a contract. And so 
you can do whatever you want. If you guys want to kick it afterwards, fine. That is entirely your right. It's not like you're legally like not allowed to talk, speak to each other or try to continue with the relationship. But like you're trying to add all this special meaning to decision day when it's either the rules are I'm staying in it or I'm not. This is not like, oh, I'm saying yes because I've been happy this entire time. Why would you think you've been unhappy this in, the entire time? The whole point is for you guys to come up with challenges and to work them out. Like, that, that's so stupid. <laughs> it's so childish. It's so stupid. And it's so like, that's not, what, why are you playing by these different rules of like, uh, who cares? You either want to continue the relationship or you don't. It's not about how happy you've been this entire time. Not really. <laughs> so in a confessional, Bao says, Zach is a smart guy and I really don't want to discount his intelligence, but like, I don't understand his lo logic and I can't help but feel that like what Zach really wants to do is to announce to the world that he's single and available, but then whisper to Michaela like, let's try to work things out on and it doesn't make any sense to me. Thank you. Thank you. Like, thank you, girl. Thank you. So anyway, Michaela says something about how she's kind of more on Zach's side, or she at least understands what he's saying, which good for you because you're the one who has to. And she said that she and Zach have had this conversation already. And, but on the other hand, Saying no on decision day to her would feel like a rejection. And that rejection equals humiliation. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. And that's why she didn't really understand why he wanted to say no at this point. But she's like, after talking to my sisters and the experts, like, I'm now at the point where if Zach says no, which is kind of like whatever. And bow, I understand how you feel. I get that you're kind of on the fence about it. Me too. So Bao continues to re reiterate that she doesn't really care about the legalities of marriage. I don't care about that paper. I don't care about that document. I care about the fact that like we joined families. We vowed to be a new family together. We made these commitments to each other. And if he wants to divorce, that's fine. But that's final. Thank you. <laughs> and in a confessional, Johnny says, I don't really agree with Bao. Wow shocker um but i definitely hear her and i hear her feelings and based on what she just said i have a lot to think about 
So then after that, Gil asks everybody what they've learned in this time. And Brett starts talking about how she came into this experiment with the idea that she would have an open mind. And she's been proud of herself because she's not usually like that for sticking to it. Rachel says that in the past, uh, like an argument would equal in a relationship, a breakup in a relationship. But she stuck to it with Jose and she's, it's working out for the best for her. Bao says that she's found that she's had more patience than she previously gave herself credit for and that she has tried harder, more hard, like harder more in this relationship than in past ones. And girl, I hope that's true because if you have tried even a tenth as much more in this relationship, in another relationship as you have this one, then you need to get like some sort of sainthood immediately. Truly. Um, Johnny says that he thought that in the past he was like a pretty chill and calm guy, but going through this, he realized that he's an emotional wreck. Well, thank you for keeping up and joining with the class on that one. Zach says the same thing that he thought he was chill, but he's cried more in this experiment than he ever has. And, um, and he says, I thought my critical reasoning skills were top notch, but I thank Michaela because I've learned now to think in a different way. Gil says that he has been able to be vulnerable with somebody to the extent that he has with Mirla. And now he knows that it's possible to be free with somebody, but you just have to be able to give somebody that trust knowing that it's possible that it could bite you on the ass later. So then we see Gil alone. He's back at the apartment and he decides to FaceTime with his mom. And he says that he really likes her, their relationship and he trusts her because she's not always on his side. He can tell her, he can be honest and she'll call him out if she feels like she needs to. So Gil says that there are things that he likes about Mirla, but there are also things that he doesn't like. And he says, let's just say that she's high class. So then he says, I don't really want her to change me or expect that I'm going to start buying $300 shirts or $600 shoes. And Gil's mom talks about, yeah, I mean, you dress well, but you also know how to spend your money smartly. And then he says, you know, we've been talking about financial stuff. We both grew up in households where the father uh, paid all the bills, like dad paid all our bills and her dad paid all their bills. And, but like, we're, times are different now. And I could pay all the bills, but I wouldn't have anything left after that. And she makes almost twice as much as I do. And, you know, I just feel like I can do it, but our relationship should be built on a partnership and we should come together financially. So then he says that Mar- Mirla is a complainer and that she's opinionated. Fortunately, Gil's mom kind of pushes back on that. And it's like, well, what about your communication? And he's like, well, it's really good. And I feel like we can have conversations that just flow naturally. And his mom says, remember that. Remember what I told you, that respect and communication are the most important things. And you guys need to learn to adjust each other. And that only happens like bit by bit over a period of time. And Gil, in a confessional, says, "I listen, the advice that my mom is giving me is great, but I don't really have the luxury of time. You know, like, I only have a couple days before decision day, and we don't really have time to do this, like, bit by bit learning of each other. So I just really need to think about whether or not I want to continue this journey to see if time really does help. So he tells his mom that he feels like people change if they want to, 
And he feels like over time that Mirla is probably going to change on some things. Johnny and Bao go on their last date before decision day. Bao looks amazing. She's wearing this like body hugging, tight, sparkly ombre dress and curled her hair. She looks super cute. Johnny says something absolutely shocking, which is that he's going to take the time to actually hear what Bao's saying to him because he not wants to know where her head is at and where she's going into decision, into decision day. But at the same time, you know, it's like, it's kind of hard to think about what she's saying because I'm kind of on the fence and I just don't know what I'm going to say myself. And they start talking about the things that they've learned. Bao says that there have been a lot of ups and downs, but the downs haven't really been deal breakers for her. And it's just enjoyable to have somebody to share her life in her bed with. Huh? <laughs> I have truly never, never met a more optimistic and delusional thing to say, but okay, girl. So, um, Johnny, she asked Johnny how he's feeling and he says that he met up with his friends and they encouraged him to continue ex exploring their relationship and that he thought it was a good idea, but he wants to know what she thinks about that. So Val says that she can see a world in which it does work out for them. And she starts to mention how, you know, her parents went through hell during their relationship, but they came out better than ever. Johnny thanks her for sharing that insight into who she was because he feels like he understands her more. So in a confessional, Johnny says that the conversation um, that he had with Sarah is still in the back of his head, but this is a marriage. Their time is limited. And if he continues on with any reservations or doubts, he's not going to get to know his wife. So he's trying to go in with an open mind and no walls. Bao says that, that the stuff that they've been through, she and Johnny, are a drop in the bucket, bucket compared to what she's seen with her parents. And she feels like over the past 15 years that they could have known each other, that they kind of missed a lot. And they could have gotten to know each other, but they're doing it now. So finally, we get to the last night of the couples being together before decision day. Jose and Rachel are in bed and Jose says that it's been a great journey. And even though he doesn't know what lies ahead, he asks what Rachel, how Rachel feels. She says that having the night to be separate from each other in their own apartments is going to be really revealing in terms of their feelings. She won't know how she actually feels until she's like in her bed alone by herself. And in a confessional, Rachel says that she is kind of sad at the potential of this being her last night in bed with Jose, but she's seen things that she knows she definitely couldn't live with. But Jose's also grown a lot and he's shown her what an amazing husband can be. Okay. Um, so Gil over at their apartment tells Mirla that it's kind of bittersweet to have a last night together. And he says that he still needs to think about, things because while divor divorce is not something he plays with, like he takes it very seriously, he still has some doubts. So he can't say for sure that he knows what he's going to do. But then he thanks Mirla for basically being a safe space for him to be open and communicative. And Mirla says that the past weeks, the past eight weeks have been a ride, but she can't really say that there have been ever, like terrible moments for her. And then she says, something telling, which is like, I kind of feel like we haven't really experienced any true challenges of being together yet. So Gil asks Mirla how she feels about spending the day apart. And 
She says she feels weird because even though it's only been eight weeks, she's really gotten used to him being around. And he agrees. So Mirla says that she just wants him to know that she's going into decision day with no regrets. And Gil says, thank you. And regardless of what your answer is, I'm going to respect it. Then a confessional, Mirla says that she doesn't know she wants to stay married yet. And that one of the biggest challenges that they have is that they're driven by different things and that they're going in two different directions in terms of their life goals. And then we see Johnny and Bao. They have drinks and they reminisce on all the good times they've had in the apartment. Like the time they painted together and Johnny had a meltdown and almost bust one of his blood vessels in his head because uh, Bao dared to want their painting to look good and cohesive together. And, you know, the com- like the, the kitchen table where they would sit down and have three bites of dinner and Johnny would just break down every part of Bao emotionally and psychologically. Uh, the beach mural where Johnny was screaming in his room when Bao tried to explain to the cameras what was going on. And then he came out and told her that he doesn't think that he wanted to be married. Um, You know, all the good times, all the great, great times. Um, They go to their separate bedrooms and in a confessional, Bao says that they both have a lot to think about. And she came into this marriage saying that she was the luckiest woman in the world to be married to Johnny. And hey, we all thought that. And we're all wrong. (laughs) Johnny says that it hasn't been all gloom and doom for him and that he's seen little moments where he felt like she could be his forever. And he wonders if there's enough to say that he wants to continue getting married. Okay. So Brett and Ryan meet back at the apartment. Ryan says that he's just there to grab a few things. And Brett hits him with the, do you have anything else to take? so Ryan says in a confessional that even though he moved most of his stuff out a couple days ago, that he knows he needs to apologize to Brett about the dating app because he doesn't want her to go into decision day feeling some type of way about that. Yeah. Like a simple apology days after the fact is going to help. Um, clearly Brett is checked out of the situation. She's on some, like, I'm just here so I don't get fine shit. And She's barely even making eye contact with Ryan at this point. And and thank God, because why why look into his eyes and lose any more of that beautiful soul? Because that's all it's gonna do. So you know, it's like it's like a um like an eclipse. Like don't look into that. It's gonna burn your eyes. Anyway. So Ryan is like, you know, obviously we've had our ups and downs, but the worst thing was you know, our, our meeting the other night and leaving and Brett's like, well, yeah. When, I mean, when we were at my apartment, we didn't really end on a great note. Ryan says that he feels really dumb about it and he feels bad for making her feel that way because he knows she feels disrespected. And he says, even though I didn't intend on that, it really sucks that it happens. And it was definitely nothing that you did. And Brett's like, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> so then he says he never intended on intentionally hurting her. She's like, well, I appreciate that. I don't recall him saying sorry. I apologize. Didn't see that. Just that he feels dumb and, you know, I didn't I didn't mean for that to happen. My bad. He, he may as well just have been like, my, my bad, girl. <laughs> sorry, sis. <laughs> um, so... In a confessional, Ryan says that he hopes that he can sleep that night. And he's like, you know, I really think highly of Brett. And, you know, it was, it was like, great that we could clear the air in person. And regardless of what happens in the end, like, it just doesn't change what I feel about her. And I hope she feels the same. Like, <laughs> yeah, she does. But, like, 
not in the way that you're thinking. She definitely feels the same about you, Ryan, but it's not good. So maybe you shouldn't hope that. You should hope she feels the opposite of how she really feels. But that ain't going to happen for you, bro. Anyway, he gets, like, whatever, like, sock that he left or something. And when he leaves the apartment, he says, Oh, thank you for not hating me. And she's like, yeah, sure, anytime. Bye. (laughs) So the episode ends with everybody doing their diary cams of them the night before decision day. And I'm not going to get into all of it, just some highlights of... Ryan saying that he doesn't think Brett understands how much he appreciates having someone in his corner. Why would she? You didn't talk to her. And then you signed up for a dating app. In your corner? She wanted to be married to you. And she stuck by it without playing your ass. That's what you should... Like, she could have been much worse. That's what you should be grateful for. That should be that you don't look as much of a monster as you clearly were. And I hope, I hope that comes back. I really hope it does. I want to see everybody going in on him. I want to see his sister. I want Sister Robot coming onto the stage. Welcome to the stage, Sister Robot. And you can start us off into all the things that are wrong with Ryan and Brett. I'm going to let you finish that. Y'all can finish in tandem and do a beautiful duet. And I will stand up and do a standing ovation at the end. But anyway, um, what other highlights? Uh, Gil throws shade at Mirla saying, I bet she's not even thinking about decision day. She's probably just thinking about what she's going to wear. <laughs> then then if that's what you think of her, then say no. If that's really that you think that she's so shallow that all she's concerned on the day that before she's supposed to decide if she wants to stay married to you or not, if you truly think that all she's thinking about is her outfit, then say no on decision day because you clearly don't like her ill. Ugh. Anyway. Um, Johnny starts talking about how he needs to be true to himself. Why start now? Um, And yeah, that's it. That is it before decision day. We're here, guys. I can't believe we've done it. Wow, what a season. Whew. Woo, 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 woo. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Anyway, um, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. Love you. If you have time to give a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, that would be greatly appreciated. Um, if you want to tell me that you don't like me and that you think I'm judgmental on a podcast, literally called everyone's business but mine, Don't. that's not really helpful to me, but we'll move on from that. Thank you to all of you guys who have taken the time to write thoughtful and kind responses <laughs> and reviews. I truly do appreciate it. Um, yeah. Have a great weekend, y'all.